Welcome to The Class Apart. I'm your host, Arjun. Thank you for joining me as I embark upon a journey across the world of higher education. Each episode, we'll discover exciting alumni experiences, gain industry insights with various stakeholders, and explore the ever-changing landscapes of global learning. and welcome to The Class Apart. Thank you for listening. Today's guest is a special guest and obviously for episode one, I thought I'd make this quite special. To be very honest with you, this podcast was my New Year's resolution and obviously it's a bit late, but better late than never. And the reason why it's finally actually starting is because of the guy in the interview. He encouraged me all the way. He's a good friend. I've known him for almost 20 years, 16, but we round up. So I'd like to introduce you to Abhilaksh Talwani. Hi Abhilaksh, how's it going? All great. Thank you so much for having me, Arjun. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, like as good as you can be locked at home during coronavirus, but it is what it is. <laughs> just for the listeners, before we kind of get into the details and get started, I'd just like to ask you, why did you decide to pursue higher education from an international institution? And what did you decide to pursue? All right. So I first, I'll, I'll just tell you what I pursued first before I answer why I decided to pursue international higher education. I wanted to do something that was at the intersection of language and technology because those were my two key interests in school. And I had taken up the international baccalaureate program, which was offered by our school as an option against the Indian ISC board. So from an early age, there was always that aspiration for studying at an international university. And I couldn't really find a degree in India that was giving me what I really wanted. There were no courses that were at the intersection of, you know, language and technology. Most would lean to one side or the other. And I obviously didn't want to do two courses one after the other. So I started looking internationally. I looked at courses in the US where obviously you can choose what your majors are supposed to be and things like that. And I also looked at the UK because, well, my mom had studied there and I'd received some good reviews about universities from the UK from seniors who had passed out from our school in previous years. So I explored the opportunities. I spoke to our school career counsellors and in the end, I decided that, all right, the UK sounded good. So I applied for a few courses that gave me both some kind of language education and some kind of technology education. So I ended up choosing a degree called linguistics, applied linguistics to be precise, which uses technology and gives a wholesome education about language using technology. And I studied this. King's College London and from there I decided to do a master's so I went to the University of Edinburgh to do a degree in artificial intelligence. I dropped out of that though and so that's essentially what I studied and why I studied internationally. So being from India you decided to go and study a subject such as applied linguistics at King's College London. Yeah. Was that an easy decision to make considering object demand in India is more geared towards kind of engineering, law, you know, international relations and business? I mean, this is something which is just completely kind of not the norm. Or did you have to convince anyone or was it quite a simple decision that, you know, you just did it and it was done? 
So, I mean, I had to convince myself more than anyone else just just to, you know, get a sense of, okay, I'm going to do this degree. I'm going to spend three years of my life studying this. What am I going to get at the end of it? Also, am I going to enjoy doing this? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of questions weren't related to, oh my God, how are other people going to perceive what I'm doing? And how should I explain it to them? They were mostly centered around, should I be doing this? Is this something that I would enjoy doing? And I spoke to several people, you know, friends, teachers in school, the career counselor, my parents, and did quite a bit of introspection and researched, you know, what applied linguistics really meant, because this was just something that came out of an exercise with the career counselor trying to find courses at any university in the world that had technology and language as you know core components and so i mean the current counselors came up with computational linguistics which i did not really understand what that meant you know in grade 12 when this entire uh, thing was happening so obviously i had to research okay what does this mean what can i get out of it and in the end you know it it seemed it seemed like something that i could be interested in because Applied linguistics, you know, it's at the intersection of so many interesting subjects like education and psychology and anthropology and sociology and using technology to understand all of these fields. So it has bits of philosophy, mostly philosophy of language in it. It's got some neurolinguistics in it. So how does, you know, how are words formed in the brain? It's got a lot of anthropology in it. So how a language is formed over time, if you leave a group of people in, on an abandoned island, will they, and, you know, like, and they're just born there from scratch, will they end up developing their own language? And so there are, you know, like really cool uh, things that can be discussed. And obviously, I also remember that around the same time in school in IB, we were studying Pygmalion, which had you know, this professor of linguistics in it. And mm-hmm. you would remember because you studied this too, I think, I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I think that's one of the only things I remember from English, of Pygmalion. Yeah, and so, so, you know, there's this professor who's, you know, really, really good at phonetics. And it seemed like a really, really interesting thing for him to be able to tell where a person is from and a lot about them just from listening to them. Mm-hmm. And so there was obviously some kind of fascination and it also met my own personal requirements of being able to do something with that later because the because one, once you're a linguist apart from just academics there are so many other kinds of careers that open up you know from speech therapy to if you're doing the technology side of it to you know like developing you know natural language processing programs such as what you have on your phones like Alexa and uh, Siri and all. Yeah. Siri or yeah, Alexa or any of these virtual avatars that are actually just listening to you. And so, you know, it's it, it, it was a new field. Artificial intelligence 10, 15 years ago when this was happening was just coming in and, you know, like exploding. Mm-hmm. So this seemed like a great opportunity to ride that wave. Yeah, so that's those 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 were basically questions that I was dealing with around that point in time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I, I think I had great professors. Uh, I wrote a lot of emails while I was applying for my courses to several of the program heads at the various institutions that I was applying to. 
and most of them replied back with detailed answers a lot of the universities had graduates in these things that they allowed you to connect with if you if you you know i mean i i remember i ended up choosing king's college london so i'd spoken to someone who'd graduated a couple of years earlier from the same program and was working at the bbc doing some kind of podcast kind of show mm-hmm. on the different languages in the region and so you know i mean people were doing a lot of cool things and i thought okay let's go for it why not wow that sounds i mean you definitely put a significant amount of thought into what you were about to move into i mean i guess that's that's only natural that you put that much thought into it but yeah that that sounds like quite a introspective journey in itself just to decide what you wanted to study at university and where you wanted to study it so we kind of zoom out a little bit i just want to ask like from a kind of holistic perspective did your university meet your expectations well considering that my expectations were formed based on the accounts of people that i knew had gone to university in the same space yes it did i had enough guidance from people a few years older than me including friends and seniors from school who told me what to expect there were some things that i did not expect for example i did not expect how much of the onus to learn lies on the student compared to the professor at an international university because here in india as you know you know i mean they keep attendance they mark you down if you attend all the classes and things like that whereas at kings the the entire responsibility for learning was mine if i did not go to the lectures like no one no one would care whether i was there or not uh, as long as i sat through the exams and you know so it was it was my responsibility and that and that is something that i think is a good thing in retrospect but it takes a little bit of getting used to and you know like in the uk uh, especially in a humanities degree that's not you know like hardcore science a lot of it is based on research yep and luckily because of ib i wasn't you know uh, completely lost yeah exactly you know i mean it's okay if 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 the professor says okay you need to write a 3000 word essay and get it in by day after i was able to cope with it but i could imagine a scenario in which especially if i had done isc where you don't have to do things like that on a day to day basis the jump could have yeah. been a lot bigger and this is me speaking academically apart from that obviously coming from an all boys boarding school and being put into a city campus and that city being london okay where you know absolutely i didn't really know what to expect from that kind of an experience i had visited london before and you know i mean i am born and brought up in mumbai so i knew what a big city could feel like but london's obviously something else and the kinds of opportunities that you get in that city and there's always something happening each and every night so being able to discipline yourself enough to divide your time between the academic aspect of it which you're essentially paying for and mm-hmm. uh, you know all the other things that pull you in different directions you know there are i'm i'm i think things had over like 500 societies and clubs that you could be a part of so essentially every interest was catered to 
So I remember I did a lot of random stuff in the first year. I joined mountaineering club. I joined. I went bowling once a week. I joined the film society. I joined multiple publications because. you know any anyone who asked me hey as a fresher hey do you want to do this i was like yes sure why not okay and yeah i suddenly realized that okay i had way too things going on every week and so eventually you know you know it's like you try everything out and then you focus in on what you would actually just like to be doing on a day to day basis on a weekly basis so it was overwhelming for a bit but in a good way yeah yeah and i think i think one of the aspects that that does teach you obviously this is coming from my personal experience but i do feel that it would be applicable here as well as that when you have 500 societies plus your lectures plus a city like london which just outside of societies and kings college london just has that much to offer yeah it really throws you in the deep end in terms of one skill which i just think is extremely vital a uh, time management that's true that's you know i mean actually like Very when true. you just have yeah you just have to, and you learn and i think for me especially i mean prioritizing what was important and what could be left is just i mean right now it's an everyday thing right like you wake up in the morning and you you're prioritizing things one after the other after the other i mean and i could only learn how to do that and accept how to do that just via the university experience when you're kind of just there and the world is your playground what do you do I mean, it's it's really true. I face the same thing, and because there are so many exciting things going around, it's really easy to get distracted and start procrastinating. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that 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 self discipline is something that it took me a little bit of while to get into because obviously at the school level you have fixed hours for everything. Out here you exactly. can decide what your hours are, and I think that that was that was obviously a big difference in. higher education in india and uh, in the uk at least i'm not sure about other places where you are responsible for your own schedule mm-hmm. and you know like my university recorded all lectures so unless i wanted to participate in the discussion i could also just end up you know listening to the recording or something like that yeah. and like uh, while cooking dinner or watching and- a lecture exactly yeah i mean so you can you can because because there was there's such a wide spectrum of people who come to university right mm-hmm. there were a few people in my class who were 40 plus who were restarting in life essentially or wanted to study again where and you know so there's and you know i was i was fresh out of school so i can understand that they have work right like that they have to go to uh, either part time or full time where you know this this is just a part of their overall life mm-hmm. whereas for me this was why i had come to a new country so you know it was evidently a lot more important for me to be there in class yeah. but you know i mean i did attend quite a few lectures just from home especially in that first winter in london which i was not used to at all and stuff like that but i realized that being able to manage your time is extremely important mm-hmm. and that's a lifelong scheduling skill scheduling yourself is, yeah it's it's a lifelong skill that i still use until today and and being able to decide on your own what is important and prioritizing is i think where the main difference lies 
between an education that gives you that freedom and one that you know like in india like they take attendance right mm-hmm. and if you're not there they call up your parents even at the college level yeah. and that's just you know so now you're doing this but that's an enforced discipline which the moment the moment university is over you know like it it gives you like you face it then and the later you face it the more difficult it is to readjust your lifestyle and make it you know yeah something that you know is yeah, scheduled no, I, i mean like i absolutely agree i think there was a there was a report i was reading a couple of years ago or maybe even last year i think i've even discussed this with you at some point tata said that what 95 93 90% something like that some percentage of the graduates that they employ for the first year they go through a retraining process like i've never heard of any uk graduate having to go through a retraining process when they start the job like they just start the job and get the job done <laughs> you know and i feel that yeah, you know I mean, like the uk education system contributes to that in a significant manner that's 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 true i think uh yeah i mean you know when i have for example in my course in the first year i only had about 16 to 18 hours a week of contact time that was time that i got with the professors in class in lectures mm-hmm. and in discussions and i mean if you just work that out to five days it's like under it's like yeah. three lectures a day right <laughs> so i mean that that's 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 nothing it's like less than three hours a day of actual lecture time and then the rest of the time you're just on your own hmm. and then that's a lot of time and then you you know you end up forming your own study groups you go to the library you discuss things with your classmates there are lots of group projects but all of that is left to you it's not something that so i can understand if you're like a shy person how and you're just going for the lectures and you're not connecting with your other classmates how in a Uh, especially in 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 a course like i was in where it i mean it's all about communication right linguistics yeah. <laughs> uh, that core of it so if you don't communicate well with your own classmates how you could definitely be left behind so you're essentially forced by the way the system works uh, to interact with each other and form you know interpersonal skills too which are also going to be helpful later in life mhm mhm definitely So if we rewind a little bit and uh, sure. we kind of look at things from your viewpoint where you're from Mumbai living there doing as well you go to a boarding school all boys you kind of graduate at the age of 18 and suddenly you find yourself in i mean like one of the most metropolitan multicultural vibrant cities in the world did you suffer from a culture shock or did you like struggle in a few places So uh I mean there were there were a few struggles but uh, I I feel extremely lucky that I had visited the UK before mm-hmm. and that you know because school had enough cultural exchange programs and enough opportunities to travel to various countries and experience their cultures I I think I had enough exposure that it did not shock me in in a major way i mean in school i was living in a hostel and kings offers you for your first year as an international student 
uh, a guaranteed spot at one of their hostels. So mm -hmm. I was essentially moving from one kind of hostel life to another. It was good to not have to share your room like I had to at school <laughs> and things like that. Uh, but the rest of the experience was fairly similar. I had to learn essentially how to cook my own food, which was, I think, more of the culture shock. And then obviously the fact that this, the city is your campus essentially, and the lectures are spread out across the city. Like I'm, I remember we had a couple of lectures at, you know, the Tate Modern and things like that. So essentially like the entire class is going around looking at monuments in London and chilling there and, you know, lunches at the South Bank Center and things like that, because that's essentially the closest place to the campus where you can just go after lectures and yep. things like that. So the life was quite different from being in a boarding school where you can't exit the gates and you eat in the same space every day, you meet the same people every day. And so that, that I wouldn't call it a culture shock as much as a massive change in lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I mean, I enjoyed it, right? It's exciting to oh, get yeah. access to that. Absolutely. And it's an adrenaline to rush. To have, yes. And so that's, that's about it. And yeah. Sweet, sweet. Again, coming back to before you went, what would have, like now you've experienced the entire thing. You've got fond memories, some good, some bad. I mean, that's just the nature of the, of the situation. But what were some things you probably would have liked to know before you went? Okay. So... Like, if I give you an example of mine. Yeah, go for it. Mate, earphones. Like, someone, I mean, this, this sounds really weird, and I think it kind of is a bit weird and a bit wacky, but like, you just have to, you should have told me. Like, someone should have told me that when you go to university, you need a set of earphones. Because, <laughs> I mean, in school, like, we were living with our friends 24-7. So there was always someone to talk to, always some banter, you know, there was always some activity going on. But the amount of time I spent alone at university on a bus, traveling to the squash courts, going to the gym, even walking up and down like to lectures and stuff, like earphones and stuff like podcasts and music and YouTube and on my phone, like that was, it became a necessity. It's true. Uh, yeah. And if someone had told me that you need earphones, I would have just been like, yo, thank you. Because I just didn't realize how important they were until I got okay. to uni. That's, that's actually true. I mean, uh, yeah, earphones, earphones are something that you really need because you end up spending a lot of time by yourself. And, you know, everyone wants their own private space. So obviously you can't blast music from your phone wherever you go. <laughs> and... Uh, I think one other thing that's coming to mind is, especially in the UK, toilet paper. Oh. Toilet paper is something that Indians are not used to yeah. using. Yeah, yeah. And that is something that requires an adjustment in your lifestyle. And uh, is something I, you know, I remember, I remember the British Council in 2014 or something had invited me back to school to talk about this. And this, this was the question that came up, like, you know, like, what should we know before we go there? and stuff like that so you know as i said that the, the our school life did prepare us quite well and so those i mean the biggest concern that i had in that moment was guys 
learn how to use toilet paper there's no water in the washroom okay. and, you know, I mean, and like, stuff like that i'm laughing that, that, it, it's true exactly. and i mean it's it's a small cultural thing yeah it's a small cultural difference but it makes it makes a big difference oh, like yeah. Yeah, yeah. they they you know and especially you know i i went straight into you know like a halls of residence which is what they call their hostels mm-hmm. rather than directly having to rent out a space and finding other people to share an apartment with which which i ended up doing from my second year onwards especially when you get to the stage where you're sharing a house with other people that's where a lot of the cultural differences come out you know like people all cook different things mm-hmm. people you know all different cultures have different recipes they have different kinds of things that they find appropriate and inappropriate and when you are actually living with people from all over the world and that is what i would recommend everyone to also do like yes i did join the india society and things like that but most of my friends like i would say an overwhelming majority of my friends were not indian at all mm-hmm. because i wanted to experience different cultures and i knew i had enough indian friends back home right so why am i going out and doing the things that in yeah <laughs> you know like i don't i didn't want to live an indian life yeah in like imagine moving so moving not, out of india and going living in south hall exactly i mean there was there's no point in doing yeah. that right so so if you're living in a multicultural city live a multicultural life and enjoy that aspect of Even. it and uh, obviously i understand that this is not for everyone right and i did end up working at an indian restaurant two days a week for several months because i just missed indian food mm-hmm. and things like that but apart from that most of my experiences were like really non indian i mean i went for a lot of like i have a couple of russian friends so i went for a lot of vodka uh, nights you know like evening party kind of things yeah essentially uh, to russian cafes mm-hmm. and you know for a lot of pub crawls and pub quizzes with my friends from the uk where it's a really really popular activity i joined the film society and then within the film society i you know like met met a, an armenian person and then she introduced me to a whole variety of how you know like there were several cafes and restaurants that just served armenian food in london and so i went through a full phase of you know like just learning about armenia which is a country which i didn't know much about at all before i went to uk i mean i'd heard of it when we played atlas but that's not <laughs> it right so, yeah and then i had a greek friend you know and stuff like that so you know you 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 end up learning about so many cultures and that's that's i wouldn't call again you know uh, just following back to your earlier question about culture shock i think it's not as much a shock uh, for me personally as it was just excitement to learn about new cultures and so yeah i think i really enjoyed it yeah 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 i mean it sounds like you had some really really solid experiences and you just kind of you were kind of a witness to the world exactly yeah so i mean if we could kind of just dig into a little bit more about your lifestyle outside of university like your extracurriculars and all obviously i mean i'm i'm assuming you were involved in quite a few extracurricular activities if you wanted to just kind of identify one or two which you think were just like your favorite extracurricular activities what would they be got it so i mean see i'm i'm a techie as you mm-hmm. know right so within the first year itself i had applied for this 
program at Microsoft called the Microsoft Student Partner Program, yep. which opened up an entire avenue for me of experiences from being invited to various events for launches of different products or services across the city to, you know, talking to the various students at my university and at other universities about technology and essentially evangelizing Microsoft products, but, you know, things like that. Also, things like hackathons mm -hmm. and massive conferences, you know, like Comic Con and stuff like that, which a lot of tech people go yeah. to. And so all of those experiences really came together. I made, I mean, some of my closest friends, even today from university, are the ones that I met through Microsoft. Mm -hmm. And it also opens up, you know, some kind of professional avenue for you because they allow you to get a lot of actual real life work experience and get a mentor or two at Microsoft, mm -hmm. which you know, is a big company, right? So you actually learn what things happen at work and stuff like that. And it gave me a lot of opportunities throughout my years of college. So that was one. A second thing that I ended up doing a lot was uh, I ended up joining the film society because a couple of my friends from my initial halls of residence were doing the film courses and I was interested in films, right? And then they had this, you know, I think weekly, every Thursday night they had film night. So that, that became a regular part of my weekly life cycle when I was at university. Mm -hmm. That every Thursday night I would go for a movie and then after the movie all of us would go out, you know, and then just have great conversations. And that branched out into going for, you know, the British Film Institute, the London Film Festival, the, you know, going to a lot of theatres to watch a few plays and things like that. Because as students, in London, I mean, that's the best way to live in London, right? As a student, yeah. everything is subsidized oh, yeah. <laughs> and you get to experience each and everything that you could possibly want yeah, yeah, yeah. as a student. So, you know, even the IMAX every Wednesday nights had $5 tickets for us, whereas the actual price was $15. So there was... Yeah, yeah. That, that student card yeah, is so, the holy so there was grail. No, yeah. So there was no real reason to not go because why not? Okay, it's not that expensive. So I ended up, you know, the film society did open up a lot of interest in me towards film to the point where my dissertation at the end of my undergraduate degree was on Bollywood and how, you know, like different cultures and roles have changed in Bollywood over the decades and stuff like that. Okay, so, you know, like your, your other experiences, your extracurricular activities, can have a direct impact on your education. And so these, these were a couple of things. There were several other things that I did, but this was, I think, the core of my weekly life. Yeah, yeah. That point that you mentioned right now, that your extracurricular activities can have an effect on your education. I mean, I completely agree with yeah. that. I just think that education is a little bit bigger than academics. It is. Yeah, it is. It, it honestly is. Academic education only goes that far, right? And so I did, you know, a couple of part-time jobs over the years. Mm -hmm. And so I suppose taught me a lot about a different aspect of life than what my academic education would have taught me, which, you know, I mean, I still did a degree in linguistics, yeah. okay, which is about, which, at the core of it, it's about communication. So there is still an aspect of skill development that takes place within the classrooms that isn't because it's not a purely academic 
degree yeah. right it's uh, you know i mean one of my projects for the holidays was over the summer to essentially conduct an anthropological study of any group of people that i interacted with and so you know what that essentially meant was that an analinguistic study so what that essentially meant was that i recorded a 15 minute conversation of uh, friends meeting for one of our founders day uh, dinners and then just over dinner i recorded a 15 minute segment with everyone's permission just sitting at a restaurant here in dehradun uh, where i am right now and then just noting down everything that they did linguistically mm-hmm. so the different blends of language that took place because obviously i was back in india there were a lot of hindi words in some local lingo that was thrown in because our boarding school had its own little variations of language and its own you know words and idiosyncrasies that were thrown in and then taking all of this together and this this ended up becoming over 5000 word essay on how language functions so just you know academically too i would imagine that you can gain a lot and you can learn a lot mm-hmm. but yes the extracurriculars matter too i think it's 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 a whole right i would never say that one is more important than the other oh yeah in my personal experience both are as important yeah i definitely agree i mean both hold equal value depending on but it could shift one way or the other depending on personal preferences it just completely depends yep. on the individual True. We've kind of walked through the entire cycle and I just want to kind of ask a question. What do you do now and how did your experiences at Kings and the University of Edinburgh help in kind of paving the way to what you're currently doing? So presently I am a digital consultant and I make mm-hmm. experiences digital experiences for brands and businesses such as websites and web applications and things like that which allow them to project their digital identities and communicate better with their customers and clients and potential clients so that's essentially uh, what i do right now and it ties in directly with my experience at the university level and even going before that you know i was always into design and uh, that design aspect was tempered a lot with my uh, education about how, how to communicate and the different forms and mediums of communication and how you know where a video is effective compared to where text is effective where having a one to one person meeting would be more effective and all of these all of these different media were part of my undergraduate degree and mm-hmm. you know having a holistic knowledge about how communication actually takes place what to say to convince people and things like that were also a part of the degree and so all of this knowledge comes you know it manifests itself in different ways it's not like i studied exactly how to make a website that's an application of yeah uh, my education because a website is just a communication tool where you want to present a particular message from one person to another person this it would be the same thing that a phone call would except in a visual yeah. format so uh, it's a different medium yeah it's it's a different medium but in the end it's all about communication and at the core of my course was communication so in even even when i went for my masters which i dropped out of i did a lot i i a lot of my focus was on cognitive science about how people think and how they communicate with each other and uh, 
yeah so everything built up from that and uh, so that's that's essentially what i do presently i've got my own firm that designs digital experiences for brands i like that i mean designing digital experiences you know who would have thought that's pretty awesome i guess the only question i have left is are you an advocate of international higher education and if so why so i feel that that exposure which you get from and not just from international higher education but that exposure that you get from living amongst different cultures and different kinds of people makes your personality mm-hmm. a lot more rounded and at the age you are at when you go to let's say high school and university those are your formative years where your identity is essentially being formed if if you end up living in a multicultural environment at that point in time it has a really really impact it has a really really big impact on your overall identity sense of identity and personality where you become a lot more accepting of different cultures and different people and uh, i think that in itself that experience and especially because of international higher education you get to do it for multiple years at a stretch and yep. being exposed to something for that long you essentially end up absorbing a lot of that and that's i think very very important because it it at least lets you communicate with a wide variety of people without making a fool of yourself <laughs> that's so true thank you for coming on the show i really appreciate it and thank you for sharing your experiences with me today most definitely i'm glad to be here and i wish you the very best of luck for your upcoming episodes and yeah let me know if you need anything else thank you Before we sign off I'm just going to give one final shout out Abilak Salwani guys thank you for tuning into the episode if you have listened to it I have a slight disclaimer Salwani is the founder of ALP Digital Alp Digital which also powers the website to be very honest with you this is my first foray into creating content and I was very nervous about what the website's going to come out as and this guy completely smashed out the park couldn't be happier so definitely check it out thank you for tuning in